Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Hanging out with you from the East Valley Institute of Technology. My special co-host, Greg Ovis with G-E-E-Z-Z-U-P. A mouthful is in studio. Welcome back, baby. Welcome. Glad to make it and be here. <laughs> yes. Always a pleasure to spend it with you guys. Of course, midweek, hump day. We love the hump day. A hump day is a little bit of a get over the humpity hump, however you do that. <laughs> We've heard from you, and you guys have joined up, of course, our Saturday radio listeners. We appreciate you. A big announcement, if you haven't heard, KMET out of Southern California. It's a little baby step for us, another radio station. And, of course, uh, our family over there at KFNX on Saturday, uh, which you can catch, for the most part, throughout Phoenix. Now, if you're new to the show, we're an automotive lifestyle show. We get giddy. You know, like you ride on a horse and you just uppity, uppity, downity, downity. We try not to trip too much. We try to trim up the hooves of the automotive horse. But we are your car talk show to dive into all kinds of automotive fascinating. Yeah, we'll cover some car tips here and there. But really, man, I enjoy, and I know you do, and a big shout out to Susie Sockets at the garage. Yeah, how's she doing? She's good. She's doing good. Busy summer, you know, as it as it always is here in this mm-hmm. uh Triple digit scenario, and many of my shop owners. Big shout out to Service Life. If you are a shop owner, get on to our little group, uh, our exclusive group. <laughs> it's exclusive. You know, you think like people use the word exclusive to try to trick you into a penny stock. <laughs> they tell you it's exclusive. You get that in the car sales, oh, like that's people. Absolutely. It's exclusive. And Ex- you've. Prestigious, too. Prestigious. And prestigious. We're simple up here in Ranch Nation. We just have this Service Life group. If you're on Facebook and you're an automotive dude or dudette, own a shop, you, uh, no matter what level you are, whether you're a little two bay or whether you're a multi store, we invite you to get on to that Service Life group. Now, what do we do on Service Life? Tell us. We help each other out. That's right. It's a finicky consumer right now because of inflation, and we're going to talk more about that. But I do want to announce our show topic. It's pretty cool. We get Greg, we get to meet some pretty cool I'm people. I'm excited. Um, and we get to yeah. share with you listening every week. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce the topic Well, and our guest who's hanging in the wings before we get into his automotive news. Well, I have to admit, it's been a great experience for me to meet this gentleman, uh, Ed, up in northern Arizona. I've had the privilege to go to his residence, look at his cars, hear his stories, and when I was asked, you know, what kind of guests could I bring to the table today? I'm like, I got to get Ed on here. And now, when you say, well, you're painting it lightly. And I know Ed is hanging, listening. He's hanging. But you're not talking about just a little old 62 this or a 78 no. that. No. Ed has one of the most historic Ferrari platforms in existence. Very, very rare. Very in fact, rare. He's had several. He's going to share his story with us about his journey into the 125 model and 166 yes. model uh, Ferraris, very rare. We're also going to share with you some of Enzo Ferrari, Scuderia, <laughs> the history, what happened during World War II, and how difficult was it for Ferrari to launch itself yep. as a reputable brand on the racetrack. Remember yep. back in the day, you didn't really have a brand unless you could win it out. That's right. Against the Aston Martins and so on. But Ed is a true historian, and he, he has the provenance to go with his cars. He does, and and he's a local, local Prescott. You said yes, he's he is from local Prescott. Prescott. So we're going to dive in and have uh, Ed Williman 
owner of uh, some of these historic platforms and vintage collection. He's going to join us. I want to get into, before we dive into some of your classic card news, of course, we try to cover your favorite recalls. You love your recalls. <laughs> I know you're driving, but I feel like it's a necessity if you're going to spend at least 10 minutes with us, which we know you can do, and then you bounce onto the podcast, which we upload. We have a big one this week. Almost 1 million cars recalls. Wow. Over faulty brakes. My Deutsche Landa Mercedes. Really? And we're going back in time. I thought it would worthy. There's several recalls out there, but I want to touch upon this because, first off, it's a worldwide uh, concern. So make sure you get on to NHTSA.gov if you are driving a Mercedes, specifically the ML and GL class SUVs. A lot of you are driving them, and we're talking... Greg, from 2004 to 2015. In fact, if my memory serves me correct, I've seen these come in for this very problem. In fact, it's my opinion, if any car has a brake booster, we're going to talk about what the hey a brake booster is, has any brake booster issue, flag it as a recall. Right? Why are we letting consumers spend on this? I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a... I'm an automotive guy that owns an automotive shop. I would love your business. But I think it's unfair. I think brake boosters, that's a... That's a safety thing. It is. Specifically, the brake booster is a reserve of air, vacuum, if you will, to give you a nice cushion to that brake pedal. Now, if you go back in time, before brake boosters were put on, there was just a little hydraulic, lonely brake master cylinder. You had a harder pedal. You stopped, but you got a little, you started building muscle in that leg because that pedal was. Yeah, it was stiff. It was stiff. Yeah, so a total of 993,407, to be exact, vehicles are being recalled. Mercedes said it identified a fault with the brake boosters on certain of these models I mentioned. I'm going to repeat it. I think it's worthy of it. 2004 to 2015, the ML and GL class SUVs. I've had them in my garage. If you own one. You can call your dealer with the VIN, and they'll translate it and say, okay, yes, this is part of that recall. If you are more prone to go online, it's nhtsa.gov. Type in your VIN. We always tell you if before you buy a vehicle, especially used cars now. In fact, there was another fella, another dealer that got into trouble. They sold a Ford. I want to say it was a Ford Escape that had an open recall. Wow. And it was a fuel tank issue. I'm telling you, people, you're rock stars. You're kicking tires. You got Uncle Louie coming out there looking at the car. (laughs) Yep, this is A grade, okay, thumbs up. I give it thumbs up. And you're not researching the paper on it. You have to. You absolutely have to. You do. Um, I got a story on how Ford may be trolling Tesla. We're going to talk about that. I heard something about that. Uh, I'm going to tell you about it here in a minute. I think it's pretty novel. I think there's an (laughs) EV war. Not the Ukrainian war, although that's raised up commodities, creating a lot of problems for the EV space. Greg, give me some good news uh, regarding inflation, maybe. Can we talk about inflation as it relates to our classic cars, a good investment right now? Well, inflation is real, and it's not going to stop, that's for sure. I'm paying $5 for a dozen eggs. What is wrong? I like my eggs in the morning. Uh, So a couple of things I found out recently, and you know, Meekum had that auction in Indy a couple weeks ago. And as far as all the Chevelles that I'm seeing going going for sale or across the block, 
they're just going up and up and up. They're going up. They're going up. So and I'm solid. talking about five, ten, fifteen grand a pop, not just a few hundred dollars. So even in the classic car market, inflation's real. If you want a car, get it now because it's going up. It's not going to stop. However, I got to mention this, and some of you may send me emails. I, and thank you for sending me your love, hate, all of it. Bring it to me. And <laughs> bring it all right. Get onto the website RanchNation.tv. I love you either way. Uh, we can always do more better, and we're not perfect in how we report. You know, we're just an average little Ranch Nation show. We are not <laughs> some groovy, uh, I'm not mentioning any major well, fake, I, fake news. That's why we you're kind of groovy if you well, want to. Well, I'm just calling it groovy because I'm trying to report on what I can, but we're not doing this full-time. We're not full-time <laughs> journalists here. I will say, though, investing during a high mm-hmm. period of inflation. Inflation's here, people. In fact, be on the lookout. I put it up on Service Life, and we're not getting into the deep economy. That's a whole nother show and maybe a whole nother platform. Inflation's real. It's here. This Friday, we got the big CPI number, right? We heard that number back in April, and that number dropped uh, 0.1. Fed said, let's continue raising up interest rates. In a nutshell, if you're not familiar with it, raise interest rates, slow the economy down. That will offset supply demand right when you got an economy booming demand is there but if that supply isn't catching up you're absolutely right that's where we have this inflation we've seen it before however this this climate is a little different again we're not gonna we're not getting into that my point is if you're looking for an alternative because that stock market is getting a spanking you watch it every night and it's a head fake two days up one day down big bam (laughs) and i'm gonna buy the dip that's what you said, right? I'm gonna. It's all Apple. I'm gonna buy Apple. The dip. Tesla. I'm gonna buy the dip. <laughs> and then you dippity two toe dang downtown Julie Brown. I'm not a stock market expert, but what I will tell you, you can look at your short term bonds. You can look at your stocks. You can look at your mm-hmm. real estate, gold, that tulip mania cryptocurrency. Yeah, I'm gonna get hate on that. That's what I call it. It's tulip mania. That's what that is. However, when it comes to investing. In a true blue, classic vehicle, an antique, that's a great hedge against inflation. It is. Except if you're an EV. Talk to us, because <laughs> you had another story, electric vehicle Hummer. Well, yeah. Because um, I remember yeah, there was, Phoenix. There was one here in Glendale that sold in January, I believe it was, or March. 260, right? Yeah. Lots of money, guys. That new EV Hummer was 260,000. Yeah, it's built by GMC. And now, recently on last week's auction, two weeks ago, one just like it sold for 206. 206. Listen, guys, that's a major drop. But it's a drop from what it was just three months ago. My feeling is um, we got a lot of pain in the EV space. There's another report that's going to come out, and I didn't investigate too deep, so don't quote me on this. But apparently, there could be some fudging regarding crash safety data as it's reported by, I'm not going to mention Tesla. Well, sorry, I did. I didn't hear it. (laughs) Um, There may be some fudging of numbers regarding crash data. How is that the case? How does that happen? We're going to see about this report, and I will follow up with the best that I can do anyway to report the truth behind that. Now, some of it is in the metrics. I'll give you an example. MPG reported on that sticker pricey deal, right? You get the car, you bip, 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 and you, I'm going to get 28 on the highway and I'm going to get, you know, 19 in the city. There's certain criteria that has to be met that's designed for that MPG. Now, 
some would debate, is that real world practical? In other words, are the data sets when they perform these tests relatable to average consumption driving, consumers driving? Mm -hmm. Same with this crash data. Again, I'm not prepared to go deep. But my point is the EV space, based upon commodity situations, we know gas is up. Gas is up. People not are going, feeling the pain. Not going down. I don't believe so. We're, we're this is a tough situation um, with the macro uh, global situation. Uh, we know that some of you are blaming the president. I think you're wrong for doing that. I don't care if President Kennedy was in there. The president has nothing to do with gas prices. Now he can go to Iran and Venezuela, and he can beg and and do deals and. With guys and gals that maybe we wouldn't want to even touch. He can ask for that. Saudi said, hey, we're not going to raise prices on you, crude oil-wise. But we're in it. It ain't getting any better. So some of you are looking at the EV as a situation. And I can tell you, it's a it's a tough time with EVs regarding commodities. Mm -hmm. We got nickel. We have lithium. We have... Graphite, yep. of to which we have no control. Zero. We import all that. Now, I know in Alaska and a few other places, they're finding some small reserves. But until we get a handle on that or control of that, uh, we're, we're beholden to that price, which initially EV manufacturers thought that would drop the price in batteries. So we're in a tough time. Will we figure it out? I hope so. Hopefully sooner than later. The pain at the pump is real. A lot of you are right. filling up. It's 100 120 bucks, and you're like, okay, an extra 30 bucks a week, it's 40 bucks in gas, comes away from me and mama going to the movies or whatever right. it is. So uh, cash is king. My advice, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not your financial guru show. Cash is king. Hold on to your cash. Stop spending like fools. All right. that fake money is going to come to surface. Fake money. The True. pump and dump money. So be careful. Agreed. Hold on, because we are in for a, a turn. And yes, you heard it on Wrench Nation uh, again. All right, we'll dive into some economy. That was your tip. If you got a Mercedes, get that squared away. We have uh, enthusiast and historian Mr. Ed Williman, who owns yep. uh, one of the rarest, oldest Ferraris. I didn't say the one. I think there's only a few of these made. We're going to get more of that. We got uh, Ed Williman out of Prescott. He's going to join us. Stay tuned. Ranch Nation. I want my mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost three to one over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Bolt-On Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. 
Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Funding for Wrench Nation Car Talk brought to you by Vision Collision, a full-service auto body repair, collision repair, and automotive paint facility in Tempe, Arizona, serving all of Greater Phoenix. Free towing, free estimates, Vision Collision, family owned and operated, 480-248-9049, Vision Collision. Whether you're looking for a full service direct mail, or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, Mail Shark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success, with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, Mail Shark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. As a small business owner, we have a ton of overhead. One of those is merchant fees. To process credit cards can be expensive. I save over 75% with Card Connect Paradise. Get on to charge-it-now.com charge-it-now.com or give Dan Arndt at Card Connect Paradise a call. His team is standing by to help you out. I save over 75% in credit card merchant fees every month. That's huge. 480-289-6304 Card Connect Paradise. Save on credit card fees. Merchant service fees don't have to be ungodly expensive. Give Dan a call, 480-289-6304. Card Connect, Paradise. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Get on to WrenchNation.tv. We know that a lot of you guys will dip in and out, and gals will dip in and out, and you got the podcast. You own that. Over a nice drink, we upload that on Sunday. Thank you very much for joining us Uh we are live here from the East Valley Institute of Technology. If you've got a son, daughter, uh, cousin, nephew, uh, you're retraining for a career. It's a great program yeah. here from automotive technology to nursing uh, to fire sciences. In fact, big shout out, Chuck Montgomery of the Hall of Flame Museum. Oh, yeah. We had him on a while back. We had him on, in fact, July of last year. How does that relate to EVIT? Well, they are sponsoring the whole summer of fire safety. Wow. So we probably get Chuck back on and, and help awesome. them promote that. Now, I left the break telling you about, uh, and I didn't cover it. I wanted to make sure. You know, on Twitter, there's a lot of back and forth. We're heavy on Twitter. Wrench Nation, and then you can find me, your mechanic. You are mechanic on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, come join me. Come join my tweet hood. <laughs> but on Twitter, there's a lot of funny stuff, including yeah. what was Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, made a nice little nudge at Elon Musk and said, Hey, we're not trolling, but... That's uh, a big but. That F-150 Lightning, that's uh, all the rage. A lot of you on the list for that Lightning. I've actually talked to you about it. I kind of like it, too. So do I. It has an accessory that you plug in to recharge a Tesla. Oh, I did not know that. Now, that's marketing right there. Pretty, that, that's pretty smart right there. That's a Twitter nudge all day long. <laughs> but they, uh, they made that announcement. You've got that. It comes free. It's an accessory. It, they're happy to give it to you. In fact, you can probably pay them to get one. 
Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to read into that one. That's so a good one. That F-150 will actually charge your house yep. and then your friendly neighborhood Model S's yep. on the side of the road. Oh. I doubt that it happened. A lot of those, a lot of Tesla culties. Well, we had to find someone that's tested it to yeah. see if it works. Ferraris, Ferraris, Ferraris. You had a little red Ferrari. Yep. We grew up watching a lot of music videos with those sexy Ferraris. They are what dreams are made of. Can we safely say that? <laughs> the Italian car, that supercar really pushes the boundaries of performance. In fact, Enzo Ferrari, we're going to talk a little bit more about the history on Enzo and Scuderia. He famously stated a simple phrase that I, left I, a legacy. I, I know that. And I it wasn't a, pretty. I am an agitator of men. I'm an agitator of men. <laughs> what a great uh, phrase. In, in today's tech world, as to be diplomatically correct, I'm an agitator of men and the women. <laughs> yep. And in these words, he really encapsulated the core value of the legacy that he left behind, which is today the yep. Ferrari brand. And we've got Ed Williman, who's a local Prescott vehicle collector and enthusiast, who's preserving some of that history and has a special story with a Ferrari. Ed, welcome to Wrench Nation. Well, thank you. Good to be here. It's an honor to spend some time with you. I'd like to get right in. Greg, you went to visit. I did. Ed, tell us. First of all, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. How's the wife doing? Oh, pretty good today. We have some up days and down days, but days have been very good today. Good deal. Well, hey, tell her I said hi, and I'm glad you're here to share your story. Hi. She just said hi. <laughs> gotcha. All right, we got Miss Williman in the background. There we uh, go. Sure, she has some stories on that Ferrari. Let's go back in time, Ed. You uh, have what kind of Ferrari, and then how did you acquire it? Talk to us about that collectible you have. Okay, my, my I've um, I've been a car nut. I got my driver's license on the farm when I was a kid at 11 years old, and started driving stock cars at 13. So I've been around cars for a fairly long time. Back in 1968 or so, a friend called me from uh, Albany and said that there was a uh, Ferrari for sale in the Albany paper that night. What year was this? That'd be 1968. I've had the car 54 years. Wow. Anyhow, I called the guy and he said, oh, no, he said, "A, a guy wants to come and look at it tomorrow. And I said, I'll take it. He said, well, I'll hold it till noon, and, um, and at that point, I'll, you know, all bets are off. So I, the next morning, I woke up. It was the worst ice storm we'd ever had in New York. Normally, it took me an hour to drive to Albany. This time, it took me five hours to get up there. This was and not going to be an easy barnyard find for you, <laughs> Mr. Willeman. <laughs> I, just call me Ed. It's a lot simpler. Anyhow, I got there about five minutes before 12. And the guy honored his uh, his uh, agreement. The other one, guy was backing the trailer down the driveway to load the car, and this uh, the guy that sold it to him. He said, "No." He said, "I told told Ed I'd hold it till noon, and it's not quite noon." So I did get the car, and the guy for fifty years said I stole the car from him, and that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of what kind of talk to us about the model Ferrari and what year and all that? Okay, this is the first. There's a photograph. Uh, taken, I think, January 13th, 1947. And the photograph shows a bare Ferrari chassis rolling out of a, a pair of uh, open garage doors. 
And Ezio Ferrari is sitting on a wooden box on this bare chassis. And the caption of the photograph is, First Ferrari Leaves Factory. And that was my car. Wow. That was the 1947-125. Is that correct? correct? Okay. That is that is a rarity. Um, What I've got to ask you this: even back in '68, as we preach on the show, how were you able to determine this was true blue? I realize you know in in '68 we didn't have well. I mean, funny business is funny business, but I know a lot of funny business on the internet goes on today. How were you able to prove that this was that 125 original? Back then, um, at one time, I owned 12 Ferraris, and I didn't pay over $1,000 for any one of them. Uh, nobody wanted old Ferraris. They'd jerk the engine out and put a Chevy in it or something like that and then crash it. But I got the car. It was late uh, October, I guess it was, colder than hell. Put the car in a barn and didn't do anything till March, I guess. I was out there cleaning, messing around with it, trying to find out what I had, because I didn't know what it was. And the guy that sold it didn't know what it was. Anyhow, my wife called me, and she said, uh, come on in and have a cup of coffee. And the news, the paper just arrived, in the mail, and there was a packet of papers from the guy I bought the car from. And it was the importation documents on the car. Wow. Um, the, the first Ferrari, the first two Ferraris had the serial number as a single-digit stamp on the cross member right near where the front spring mount was. And uh, mine was so buried, you can't get to it very easy, but it was, I did find the number, and it was a number one. A zero one oh one. Just one. No just zero, a one, no, okay. Just one. Anyhow, um, I, I raced the car with the SECA in more than, more than 100 events. Got the car running very well, and it was a very well-known car in the club. Um, I, I was the featured red carpet car in the first of the uh, Palm Springs uh, concours, the modern Palm Springs concours, and the, the experts crawled all over it. What, what it seems to be, in the old days, Ferrari used to, used to never throw anything away because they were broke. Ferrari never had money. And this was the chassis of their Formula One car for 1947. It went in the scrap pile, and when Ferrari needed money, they pulled the chassis out of the scrap pile, sent it to Moto, M-O-T-T-O, mm-hmm. and had Moto build a uh, sports car body on the chassis. Um, the story goes that Ferrari and Moto met for lunch, and Ferrari uh, sketched out what he wanted on the tablecloth, and the restaurant made him pay for the tablecloth, but that would be worth a fortune now if you could get a hold of that tablecloth. But the, the, the early bodies was almost identical to the Ferrari Barchetta bodies, which came in early 50s. And the Barchetta went on into the, the AC Cobra, the same lines, which of course became the, the Cobra in the States. But it's, a, it's, it's well documented. A lot of, there's a lot of, um, significant parts of the car that were never, ever used on anything else. For example, the steering box has a serial M2 stamped on it, and that's the earliest known serial number for a steering box for any Ferrari. So 
that was probably the one that was in the car chassis when they scrapped it. Right. If we were, Ed, if I can interject, if we went back in time, just to really paint a picture for those listening, maybe not too familiar with the early year stories, that 125S was critical as it led to the 166 and the rest of the racing models that started to give Ferrari fame on the racetrack as well as positioning as a brand. How important was it to Enzo Ferrari and Scuderia to really champion that 125 and that V12? Well, the, one, the 125 was just unbeatable after the first few uh, appearances. The first time Ferrari raced, he lost the race almost at the end because of a fuel pump failure. Most racing Ferraris in those days then, after that, Ferrari had two electric fuel pumps and two mechanical fuel pumps, any one of which was enough to power the engine. So they, they learned from their mistakes. But it was a bulletproof engine. Red line at 8,000 RPM just made enormous amounts of torque and enormous amounts of power from the V12. Mine, when it was finally sold, they pulled the liners, the 125 liners out, and put 166 liners in it, which made it a two-liter car. But um, they were they were they were just bulletproof cars in the early days. They sure were, and I would say, as the man behind that prancing horse, which we'll talk about the history, how that stallion became such a symbol of Ferrari. Enzo Ferrari worked for Alfa Romeo. Can you tell us about, was there a bitter rivalry between Alfa Romeo as Enzo left? And, of course, World War II was going on. Uh, Factories were being bombed. The war effort was heavy. It wasn't about cars. It was about getting our airplanes up in the sky in production. Was there a major battle as Ferrari, Enzo, left Alfa Romeo and created his own name. He left under under good graces. He was their racing manager for many, many years. And after the war, Alfa Romeo didn't have any money. In fact, the V12 Colombo engine was was to be the, the Alfa racing engine post-war. But Alfa couldn't afford racing, and they donated that to Ferrari, along with a lot of technical support, and Colombo, who had been an alpha, alpha engineer. So there was no animosity at all in those days. They were, they, they left with, he left with their blessing and uh, a lot of support from them, a lot of technical support. One of, the, uh, one of the neat Ferrari collectibles, if you could ever find them, Ferrari built machine tools during World War II, and, and there were Ferrari lathes built and Ferrari vices and milling machines, and those those are really rare. They're as rare as my car, really. Uh, Greg, if, you, if you're out and about on your hunt, your barnyard finds, Greg, keep that in mind. Absolutely. We're always looking for something rolling goodness on four wheels, but we cannot forget some of the great lathes and hand tools that were really designed for, Ed, what you're saying is per model year or per model they had to design the yeah. equipment for those model year vehicles. And when I was visiting with Ed, I remember you telling me that even the logos were hand-painted onto the car itself. So everything was just so meticulous on those cars. Well, the the, the uh, Ferrari horse, the horse rampant, 
Ferrari was an aircraft mechanic in World War One, and the the owner of the the uh, crest was always used by Ferrari in honor of his friend who was killed in World War One as a in a crash. And after Ferrari started building cars, he had ten of the emblems built. The, the Ferrari emblem that you know, the horse and the word Ferrari underneath it. But the family that owned the crest objected to the horse touching the word Ferrari because in heraldry, if something touches something on the crest, it means it belongs to it. So you'll never see a Ferrari emblem with the foot of the horse touching the word Ferrari, except for their first 10 emblems that were made. Wow. And, um, I take my car years ago to a car show down in New Jersey. And there was a very famous Ferrari collector there with his wife. His wife wanted to see something at the back of the car, and I went around and was talking to her. And I, they joined him at the front of the car, and they walked away. I looked down, my emblem is gone. Um, what? What? The, la- the only one that has been sold... Was a, in 1994, one was sold in France for $10,000, the emblem. And I couldn't afford anything like that. But a year after that, I went to a garage sale and looking through a bunch of junk in the bottom of an old toolbox, I saw the emblem from car number nine. Wow. And it's, there's a little, the number is just kind of loosely scratched on the back of the emblem. But I've got the right emblem, but the wrong number on it. And but, someone, someone, uh, toolbox. Someone s- stole the emblem, and and you never got anywhere with that. But a year later, here you are, wow, garage, you know, barn fine hunting, and here's an emblem to save grace, so you can put your poor little Ferrari back in shape. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I got, I got the right. I had, I used a modern emblem for a while, but I was so happy to get the correct one back because you'll never see even a picture of the crest with the word Ferrari touching the word, uh, the horse's foot. That's wow. incredible. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, local Prescott vehicle collector and enthusiast, Ed Williman. Uh, he's going to come back online, talk a little bit more about history, and maybe we can dive into some. Thank you, sir, for your service. Ed's a veteran. We're going to talk about some military, Ferraris, collectible cars, and the hunt. For the fine, next on Rich Nation. can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. I gotta tell you, I'm pretty excited about this. We have a benefits portion of our website, wrenchnation.tv, where we've got benefits for the Wrench Nation community, which is really protection for you, your family, your team. Your culture is important. Your team environment is important. So we're going to make it real easy for you to shop for healthcare, life insurance, device insurance, even pet insurance. I'm excited to share with you the benefits for the Wrench Nation community. Get on a wrenchnation.tv. We've made it real easy and simple. Your small business team deserve no less. Get on a wrenchnation.tv, check out the benefits page, and check out health insurance, life insurance, car rental, condo and home insurance. You name it, we've got your benefits covered. Get wrenchbenefits.com or wrenchnation.tv. 52% of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. 
Our charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking to 52% of these ladies out in the population. Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to techforce.org. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Always a pleasure to hang with you. Thank you. If you're new to the show, we're honored to spend it with you. Uh, remember to get on to WrenchNation.tv. Uh, your ideas for the show mean a lot to us. If you've got an automotive superhero, uh, whether they're flipping wrenches in the bay, working on a Tesla, no Elon Musk or Jay Leno. Jay, I know you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> we need you to get on the show uh, for sure. Someday we'll get Jay on. Oh, we will. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. I also want to remind you, since we are talking Ferraris, we're going to bring Ed back in a moment. Luca Del Monte. We had Luca on. He's the author of the comprehensive biography, Enzo Ferrari, Power, Politics, and the Making of an Automobile Empire. Luca from Italy, we had him on as a guest, and he had like unfettered access to some amazing stories and history not known about Enzo Ferrari. Wow. Uh, that was show 134. That was probably about two years ago. Yeah, that was Great before interview. my time. I'm going to have to listen to um, it. You know, he he actually uh, got some inside access, and, and wow. it was pretty cool. So if you're interested, all things Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari, power, politics, and the making of an automobile empire, Luca Dal Monte. He's also on Instagram. And as well, Ed had mentioned uh, the SCCA, show number 173. We dove in to the whole history of IMSA and SCCA, the inside story of how John Bishop built the world's greatest sports car racing series and uh, show number 173. So if you want to dive in a little further to some nice history and some pretty cool guests, until then, let's bring Mr. Ed Williman out of uh, Prescott, owner of a very rare Ferrari. Welcome back, Ed. Hey, thank you. An honor to have you on. i got to ask you, we know... As a statistic here, or fact, I should say, yep. Ferrari's got over 5,000 sanctioned race wins behind the Ferrari brand. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. They were so reliable. They were just bulletproof cars. I got to ask you, Ed, you had mentioned back in the, I, I guess you would say, certainly uh, maybe, maybe what, 50s, 60s, for sure 60s, 70s, did you mention that there was sort of a lost appeal for all things Ferrari? Was there a certain era where Ferraris were just, okay, that's just in another Italian sports car? Uh, can you talk to us about that? You know, there were so many um, sports cars brought into the country, and there was really not too, too good a support for them. Nobody understood the engines very well. When they broke, they were very difficult to get parts for. So people would buy the car break the Ferrari engine, put a Chevy engine in it or, or Ford or something, run that for a while, and then park the car. And in 1965, 67, 68, you could literally buy a Ferrari uh, with a broken engine for under a 1000 bucks. They were, they were everywhere. They were just drugs on the market. <laughs> um, I, I love Ferrari engines. I built many of them, and I know them in great detail. And uh, they're marvelous engines, but they're a little finicky. But you put them together right, and they're bulletproof. 
They are. You know, we had Wayne Carini on back in 2019 from Chasing Classic Cars. Um, I, I wonder if it was the Wayne Carinis of the world and many others, along with the continued racing legacy, that sort of created resurgence in interest. Again, we understood that perhaps balancing three Weber carburetors right. uh, is not an easy thing, and, and perhaps that wasn't every mechanic's soup du jour, but it seems like the last 20 years for Ferrari, they're a global brand that, if my numbers are correct, they're, they're worth billions as a retail brand. In fact, Ferrari has really positioned themselves. They realize a lot of folks can't afford a Ferrari, but they may want to buy the Ferrari handbag, very popular in Europe. I mean, I'm telling you, they're a big retail outfit. What do you think is the appeal behind Ferrari today, Ed? I mean, you're in those circles. I think it's the cachet of the mark. You know, Ferrari, you, you, in, in my younger days, the word Ferrari meant that's, that doesn't get any better than that in the sports car world. It's like Rolls-Royce would be in the luxury car world or Mercedes in the modern uh, world. They were just the cars to have, especially if you were a wealthy sportsman. Uh, you wanted to sh- do a little flash, pick up a couple of girls. The Ferrari, the Ferrari had a lot of going for it. And, and the people that drove them were interesting characters. Uh, you know, D- David Piper, for example, who, who happened to lose his leg when they were making the movie Le Mans, is a good friend of mine. And he, he, he was a independent, never had a lot of money, but he would take the Ferrari engine with a great mechanic, and he would beat the factory teams. So everybody was out there with the Ferrari as, as the epitome of what you wanted to race if you had some money. I've got to ask you a question, Ed. Are you familiar with uh, Scuderia Southwest and particularly Peter Volney concourse in the hills there at Fountain Hills? Uh, over a thousand wonderful, eclectic, historic vehicles, uh, including modern day, including you know future classics. Have you ever been to that concourse in, in Fountain Hills uh, to highlight your Ferrari? No, I've never been out there. I'd I love was- to introduce you to Peter because they're raising a lot of money for Phoenix Children's Hospital. And they have a whole suite of Ferraris. Uh, even if you weren't bringing the car, just to participate in that, I think you really would enjoy that. Okay, we we were the the um, at the concours over in uh, Palm Springs. We were the car- red carpet car there, and there was just so much attention to the car. You couldn't see the car most of the time; it was so crowded. And the interesting thing about the car—it's absolutely original. It's never been uh, messed with. It's original paint on it. Dings and scratches and all that. While we were over at the Concours, these two uh, uh, sportsmen type, you know, the shirts buttoned to their belly button, a lot of gold chains, <laughs> standing by the car. One guy said to the other, hey, he didn't care about the car because he didn't restore it. And the guy from the Peterson Museum turned to him and said it would lose $3 million in value if it was restored. So an original Ferrari is even rarer than than the ones that have been done up. I can see that because you're talking about such a rarity, such symbolism to history that wasn't mass produced. And then we're also talking about, I mean, such detailed history behind the drivers to win those races, the Grand Prix of Rome and, and all of those just world renowned. And we look back now and, and, and I think back in the day, it, it was a big deal, but today 
It is huge because it's a great part of history. Do Let me ask you, Ed, do, do you find over the years challenges? Uh, you, you've obviously take very well care of the Ferrari that you have. But in general, as a mechanic, what are some of your biggest challenges with keeping that vehicle up to date and keeping it, you know, sort of almost click of the key? Let's let's go down the road. Uh, the, difficult, the most difficult thing right now is Weber parts for the very early Webers. They're available, uh, and if you hunt for them, you can find them. But anything other than that really isn't a problem. The rings are modern, modern-made. Bearings are available, uh, unless you have a major catastrophic failure in the engine, which uh, they're, they're easy enough to work on from that point of view. Parts are available. It's my understanding that Enzo and Scuderia was really focused on the engine more than anything, uh, perhaps compared to uh, other platforms. He wasn't really looking for the look or sort of the sleekness. I mean, I, I guess that comes into sorts of manufacturing as it comes about, but Enzo was renowned for that V12. Yeah, he was, and the power behind uh, under the hood. Period. He wasn't yeah. really too concerned about anything else. His early early uh, career as an aircraft mechanic, he was naturally interested in in mechanics of the thing, not so much in the in the uh, appearance of, of keep the engine running, keep it running strong, and the, what the car looked like didn't mean a hell of a lot to him in the early days. You know, he was he was not into the aesthetics of the car. He was into the mechanical structure. My, my car, for example, has um, probably one of the only Ferraris ever built with short pattern rudge wheels on it. The splines on the rudge wheels would be impossible to find today. Ferrari quickly found out that those were fragile, so they went to a long pattern wheel uh, splines. That would be difficult. If something happened to a wheel, it would be difficult to replace it. But other than that, practically anything on the car was either hand-fabricated or locally cast. It was simply straightforward mechanical work. It's uh, amazing yeah. that that is uh, lived on. I, I can see some of those parts and those Webers uh, in general, all things carburetor, um, perhaps not the mass-produced GM, uh, well, we I call them Quadrajunk, the Rochester. I mean, that was mass-produced. <laughs> we all know about those, but I, I would imagine, so... What is your routine to keep the Ferrari running? Do you, do you operate it once a week, uh, twice a month? How are you keeping I, it from getting too many dust bugs? I start it up generally once a month. The, the real problem that has come in, in in recent years is the alcohol in fuel. It's very damaging to the early fuel pump diaphragms, and the carburetor parts don't deal with the alcohol very well. Oh, yeah. So you have to find neoprene replacements for a lot of the stuff. But, yep. um, what comes to mind is uh, 56 Hudson that, boy, if we're not if we're not running that vehicle often in, in flowing fuel, it, it just, my point is, it seems like we're, we're dancing with that fuel system once every two years. Like, it, it's a carb true. overhaul. We got a fuel pump for whatever reason, uh, that diaphragm. Um, you know, I... I I got to ask you on the lines of fuel. We all know what fuel prices are, and I don't want to touch upon that. It's a, it's a terrible thing that we're seeing what we're seeing at the pump. 
My question to you is, where do you see the future for Ferrari? I mean, technology is like we can look at some of the newly, newly made Ferraris. They are incredibly designed, well accoutremented under hood, and tailor-made. One of the Ferrari claims of fame is you can pretty much pick out what you want and how you want it, and it will be made to such a degree of excellence, and that's part of that Ferrari brand. But my question is, do you think with electric vehicle technology and just technology in general, do you think Ferrari will be around in the future? Oh, I, I think it might change from the road cars might become electric and all of that. But I think the super sports cars, the, the super cars, I think they're going to have to go a long way to be the combustion engine, internal combustion engines. And I don't think the cars that are being produced and and collected today will be used like my car. I drove mine in more than a hundred races, vintage races, and I actively raced it. I was out wheel to wheel racing. We had a race at Summit Point, West Virginia, in conjunction with the Ferrari Club, and there were a lot of modern Ferraris there, three hundred eights and whatever. I, I was invited to race in their race, and I won the race with my. My, my wow. 166, because they were driving like they were on the street, and I was racing. It was, it was a different, you know, a different milieu, different t- times. And I think the cars that are being collected today are going to be driven a few miles, put into a museum, and it's like a Van Gogh painting or something. They'll be looked at. They won't be taken out and then exercised. Yeah, I know that uh, Ferrari's looking at. There's an electric sports car patent uh, they're slated to release and debut in 2025, the Puro Sangue, which is supposed to compete with the Lamborghini Urus. Mm-hmm. That Ferrari is supposed to have their first electric car by 2025, but I, I think the point we're discussing really is the how are we going down in the annals of history, and more importantly, how are we sharing this history with the future generations, I imagine over the years, Ed, you've had the opportunity to get some youngsters inspired by some great history that they're not just reading about, but they actually can touch and feel carefully, I may add, uh, and sit in one of the greatest Ferraris ever built. When I take a car to a show, I have never, ever said, somebody says, can I sit in the car? Absolutely. The car was built to be used. A little, no, no little fingerprint is going to bother it. A lot of the collectors, you know, you, you stand 10 feet away behind a chain link fence. That's not my philosophy. I've, I've had um, the uh, Special Olympics kids, I let all of them get in the car and get their picture. Uh, they loved it. it they, it's, it's something that they really appreciated. And, in fact, one little girl came back the following year. I had a different car at the show. And she said, where's the Ferrari? I had an Alfa Romeo or something there. But they, they remember it. That's a, that's a high point in their life to, to yeah. sit in something like that. What a great thing. Kudos to you, Ed, for, for allowing that, that vehicle to continue to share its story and inspire a few. And also, I'd like to, if I may, I'm a fellow Navy veteran. I must thank you for your service, some real service. Um, can you give us some history on your on your Navy veteran background? Well, I I um, I was uh, selected in several classes, did very well in my boot camp, 
Uh, I was the honor, when Admiral Halsey retired, I had the honor of shaking hands with him at the, um, at when I graduated from boot camp. Wow. And then um, years afterward, <clears throat> I kept getting, I was picked to go to the Naval um, NRL, Naval Research Lab in Washington, D.C. So I sent, uh, sent my career there, mostly being sent out to various Navy schools, because when they take out an experiment, I was kind of a liaison to the civilian engineers. Um, I went to Korea in 1956. No, sorry, it was 54. I went to Korea. Uh, spent the coldest weather in my life in Korea. <laughs> I got hit by an artillery shell, so I got sent back home. But uh, my Navy career was fascinating, and I was hired by IBM three months before I got out of the Navy because of some sort of they had some follower or tracer in the in the uh, schools. Wow. Well, we thank you for your service, uh, especially. Gosh, yeah, cold weather Korea. Korea was a whole. <laughs> was a whole story that I hope we never forget about what we were fighting there for. And, and, and I know we could spend a whole nother hour talking about some of the other great collectibles. I, I want to thank you because you're a humble man behind one of the greatest vehicles in time. And you're keeping that and you're honoring that. And I also want to thank Greg Ovis for introducing you to our Ranch Nation audience. Thank you, Greg, for oh, yes. allowing us to, to share Ed's story. Thank you. Of course. It, it had to be shared. If you get up to Prescott, you're welcome to come over and take a look at some of my toys. I'm across the uh, <laughs> pine trees. I'm up in Strawberry. I may take you up on that. We go up there okay. to escape yeah, the Yes, sir. We're, we get up there to escape the heat. So perhaps Greg and I can come out and uh, just enjoy that wonderful 125. Yep. And have fun. Okay. You're welcome. Ed Willeman out of Prescott, thank you so much. It's always good to meet people, Greg, that have such great history. I mean, right. this is deep history. We've had a lot of folks that maybe dialed back into the 70s and 80s. Yep. But to go back in time, and I never knew like this sort of unpopularity. I always thought that Ferrari's always, yeah. you know, it wasn't always what, like Fiat was fix it again, Tony kind of thing. <laughs> But I guess there was a period for Ferraris where, you know, and, and I mentioned Wayne Carini. He was yeah. on the show a few years back with F40 Motorsports, yes. all things uh, Italian cars. You know, some of that modern day, what we see on TV and social has helped with the brand and bring that back. Yep. You know, uh, So awesome well, I, show. I, I knew his story was going to be great and I'm excited that he was able to share it and share with us today you guys can catch the podcast we'll upload that on sunday and of course thank you again for joining wrench nation if you've got a friend that may have interest in the automotive journey of some great fascinating folks and people uh send them over to wrenchnation.tv and i remind you if you got a show topic or guest we always welcome that you can reach us wrenchnation.tv also, sign up for the uh, newsletter. We're not selling you penny stocks, man. Just get on there and you can keep up with our weekly show and goings-ons and highlights of the automotive industry. And as I tell you every week, man, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic.